0: Trip, I don't touch the ground I moved away came back around got a plane just to figure out oh, yeah. hello everybody and welcome to the spoiler warning podcast this is review number 604 with a review of how to build a girl I'm Christopher Schneezy
1: and I'm Stephen Miller
0: and if you're joining us for the first time the spoiler warning podcast is a weekly film review program each week in the show we're going to dive in debate discuss and argue over the latest film releases coming to a streaming platform near you this week we are talking about a little film that uh came Uh, I think there was a few places you could rent it. I rented it on Amazon Prime. You did the same?
1: I did iTunes, I think.
0: Okay, gotcha. Uh, Well, it was available to rent on multiple platforms. Um, It looked like a nice, fun, you know, cheery, sort of, enjoyable little story to kind of...
1: I think this was one of those TIFF tiff ones, right, that we didn't catch, but that we knew was coming out. I think it was.
0: Maybe? I don't don't remember. I, I know... I remember you mentioning hearing some stuff about it. So, um but yeah, we we just kind of thought we would um talk talk about this film just as a, you know, a fun little thing to do. Um but yeah, so yeah. this is a story about a young girl who, you know, she really wants to get into writing and her first outlet to try to do that really is to be a rock critic. And uh, you know, this film features a young woman going into Watch bands and sort of her reaction to the feelings you get when you go see um, a band play and I think it's safe to say that uh, music is has been a big part of both of our lives. Um, we are We are fans of going to shows and stuff. so to start this episode off, Stephen, do you remember the the first time you walked into a show and rock and roll meant nothing to you? but then in the moment you got in there it became the whole wide world to you
1: <laughs> my answer is going to be very lame i realize but the answer <laughs> is yes i know exactly when it was it was 7th grade it was my church gym and switchfoot was playing and they weren't <laughs> they weren't really famous yet so they still played suburban church gymnasiums um <laughs> but it, it was, like that was the first time in my life that I like I had seen live music before I'm sure my parents took me to see you know like Wynton Marsalis play the trumpet or something but yeah, yeah. I had never gone to a show where I was like I'm surrounded by people my own age and I have some kind of pressure or desire to love it because people that I know like it and I was really into it. Like, I, I have such fond <laughs> memories of just, like, dancing around that gym and being like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I wish I could name drop a kind of cooler, more obscure band. But no, it was it was Switchfoot, the alternative Christian band from the mid-2000s.
0: Well, if it makes you feel any better, Stephen, mine's not going to be that much better. Um, my first concert experience, which turned me into a concert goer, was a... Uh, a little show that was co-headlined by Newfound Glory and Good Charlotte.
1: <laughs> nice. <laughs> no, that is way more era appropriate, at
0: least. Oh, yeah, it's era appropriate. I just... It might not... That's a fucking
1: killer co-headliner. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it might not give me the cred with some listeners. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, mean, I'm I, impressed. I, th- I think that, you know, San Diego, obviously, with like Soma, um, had like a great music scene. There's a lot of yeah. bands that... Um, I still listen to CDs today that I saw them on their fir- first tour as they passed through San Diego, and uh, I think I still remember the days when I used to go to concerts like multiple concerts a week, and you know it was they were basically free. It was like ten dollars, and you'd see five bands, and it'd be like the best show you ever saw. Um, and yeah. uh, I were really these, loved like, that time. Were these
1: like tiny venues that you were going to? Like like were they the kind where you could mosh in, or were they like nobody was there?
0: Oh no, no, they they, they were still like they always. They always had a crowd because everybody in the area mm-hmm. always wanted to go there. So I mean, sometimes they were the side side stage at Soma with like the blown out speakers and everything yeah. sounded like shit. I've been um, there. <laughs> but it was still great. I mean, it was still fun. Um, and I I remember those days uh, of my life fondly. I think the first time I started to cut back on going to concerts was when I unrelated to concerts dislocated my knee, and then I was like deathly afraid of going into mosh pits because. <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. once you just look at your knee, it's easy for it to just pop out on its own. Um, and I was like, maybe I won't go to concerts for a while. And then I slowly warm my way up. And I think now um, now the concerts I go to are m- more chill, or not. N- none of us go to concerts anymore because you can't. But I think now right. things have sort of, you know, gone to more like the indie singer-songwriter sort of yeah, well, crowd. we're
1: more like stand in the back by the bar and watch goers i think now than we are like get right up front and get in the thick of it though you and i definitely moshed together some years ago i remember because it's one of the only times in my life that i have been fully in a mosh pit (laughs) like with all of the high schooler sweat on you that comes with it (laughs) Um, actually the shirt i'm wearing tonight is from that show because i got very sweaty at a mosh pit we were watching um uh streetlight manifesto Manifesto. Yeah, yeah. yeah we were watching them and I got really, really sweaty and I, ne- I wanted to change my shirt. And so I bought a shirt from the headliner or the opener, who I've never heard of before. <laughs> but the name is Dan P. And now I have this shirt that says Dan P. on it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, fitting. I mean, I assume it was accidental that you happened to wear that shirt tonight.
1: Yeah, totally accidental. <laughs> I did, though, as long as we're talking about music, um, my buddy Daniel, who you have met before was texting me remembering the Milk Hotel show that we saw, like the very yeah. last one that they ever did. And I just bought this like limited LP set that they put out of all of their music. And I was remembering us like seeing them play and the revelation when you were standing next to me that as indie as they are, they're basically skater music too. And that was kind <laughs> of like rad. Like it opened up the band in a way for me where I was like, whoa, they're, they're not just like pretentious. <laughs> yeah, yeah, They've got like a real vibe to them.
0: No, they definitely have like some, some nice hard-hitting grooves that, that come out when, it, mm-hmm. when you're seeing them live. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was a good show. That was a good show. Yep. Good time.
1: <laughs> still their last ever. They still have not come out of hiding, but I'm sure it'll happen at some point.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing that will happen at some point is that we will give a review of How to Build a Girl. So what do you say, Stephen? We take a listen to the trailer for that film and then come back and give all these folks listening a review.
1: Let's do it. How much longer am I going to have to be here? I need your help. I want to burn. I want to explode. I want of sexual intercourse.
0: Someone who has a car. Watch a car.
1: Stop moping. Try this. They're looking for writers to be a rock critic. Johanna Morrigan, I have an interview for the job. Did you think my writing was good? It's not really us. Not cool. (sighs) Darling, rooms like that need girls like you. Come on, let's go! Good God, it's a child catcher. Johanna Morrigan is dead. This is the legendary Dolly Wilde night rock and roll meant nothing to me by midnight it was the most important
0: thing in the world darling have you ever done anything before i've never done anything before
1: these are the places you come where you can dance and scream and be with your own kind where everything is possible
0: Dolly she's trouble.
1: Yes, I am trouble. The thing about crossing over to the dark side is that once you're there, it doesn't feel
0: dark at all. My question to you, Johanna, is when did you lose your mind? What do you do when you build yourself only to realize
1: you built yourself with the wrong things? You rip it up and start again.
0: we would like to run
1: in the next issue thank you thank you very much ma'am are you in fact pretending to be elvis right now
0: all right so that was the trailer for how to build a girl it is a story of a 16 year old girl who lives in a town in london somewhere and uh basically she just wants to be a writer and uh she gets her first opportunity in a little newspaper article she finds where people are I I guess it's some sort of like open casting call or something to say like hey we want writers to review stuff and she goes in and tries to um, you know write a review and she just isn't exactly what they are looking for so she decides to remake her whole image and her attitude and her style and plunges herself into the rock and roll scene and learns about uh, whether or not that's the way she wants to build herself (laughs) Stephen Miller, what did you think of How to Build a Girl?
1: So a major lesson in this movie that Johanna Morgan slash Dolly Wilde learns on her journey towards self-acceptance and self-realization is that you have to learn to say one true thing. So I'm going to say it I did not like this movie. <laughs> um, <laughs> which is a, a shame because I, I do respect this movie like I like what it's going for I like the idea behind it it's basically like almost famous with a gender-swapped protagonist and honestly a little bit more maybe not edge but it, it embraces with a little bit less nostalgia and a little bit more like fuck it we're just gonna show someone growing up like it, it has an attitude to it and I I appreciate that I think for me the biggest problem started roughly 30 seconds in when I turned to Joanna and said, is she going to do that accent this
0: whole movie? (laughs) It's set in London, Stephen.
1: I know, I know. I was just hoping they would find a way for her to be like an American in London and she just idolizes the Bronte sisters or something. So like at first she does the voice, but then she's like, all right, cut the crap. I'm Beanie Feldstein and this is my story. Um, Yeah, There's just something about this movie I don't fully blame the accent but there's something the moment it opens and she is having a kind of fantasy sequence where she's looking out her window and seeing different boys walk by there was this gap between what I know the movie is doing what it wants me to feel and what I was actually feeling it wanted me to feel like this is a girl who was growing up who was having fantasies who is about to be led on a journey and what I felt was this is someone playing dress up in a twee movie that is trying to hit the fantastical beats that such a movie would do. Um, And I don't know what else to chalk that up to because the movie is good natured all the way through. Like I think Beanie Feldstein makes a much better Dolly Wilde than she does a Johanna Morgan. I think the more the movie progresses, the more I 100% believe her character and her way of acting and the kind of charisma that she brings that gathers other people to her i love the idea of a person becoming a writer right and starting with just pure praise and thinking that that is all there is to it and then veering too far in the other direction and becoming kind of like nasty and trying too hard to be smart and seem edgy and then eventually landing in some true place in the end um Alfie Allen makes a reference to dragons like what is not to love about this movie (laughs) but it just there, there was just something about it that I could never fully get on board with the character I've always felt like I was there was like a a buffer between me and the movie where I was very keenly aware that I was sitting there watching it and I kept hearing that fucking accent and it never worked for me at all um yeah, I also think I think the movie its heart is in the right place, but I think it is a little muddled in what it wants to do. It it wants to be a story about finding your voice, becoming a writer, becoming an adult, you know, Johanna Morgan doing the thing that makes her her. But then it, it opens being all about sex. And hoardiness and being an adolescent who just wants to find a boy, and then they completely lose that for like almost the entirety of the movie until one or two moments where, in a kind of cringy montage, they bring it up again and then lose it again like it 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 felt like this movie knows it wants to be coming of age, but it didn't have the clarity of picking like one arc and letting her go through it and i don 't know that made it just feel cute but kind of empty to me even when there are scenes that i like like i love her first time going to the uh the music magazine studio i love the way that they respond to her i love her meeting alfie allen's character and the kind of the joy that they have there's a lot that i like when i only think about this movie but unfortunately i did not like watching this movie very much
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah I'm, i'm actually i'm actually so glad that was your reaction because i was like man this is going to be another movie that Steven loves that I shit on.
1: (laughs) Um, I'm sad. I thought you were going to love it. I was hoping like, please let Chris (laughs) love it. So we're not both just shitting on a movie together.
0: Oh, well, this might not be the review we wanted, but it's the review we deserve. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, I, I think so. So part of the strangeness of my reaction to this film is not the film's fault. It's where the film is set. I, I always forget what the drinking age is over there and Mm -hmm. like, there are things that happen where I'm like, who is just letting this girl drink all the time? <laughs> and then I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. Like, even, even like when we were over there, right? It's weird to see. Um, I mean, it was mostly when we were like in, in Temple Bar in Dublin where like we were, it, we found a cool place to listen to some music and drink. And then also when it looked like a bunch of high schoolers came in and were like, what the fuck is going on? And they were like, oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. They're just allowed to drink. So I, I mean, I guess, I guess it's fine that she was just going into places and ordering drinks and it doesn't really matter. Um, but it was also weird to see just the, like all the men she encounters are gross who are clearly stoked that she's only 16 and it's just mm-hmm. it's really like skeevy and it just it there's a lot of weird uncomfortableness in this film and the film doesn't care to like to address it at all any one bit it more plays it for goofs when like other guys at the at the the record studio um or the record magazine um joke about being into jail bait and weird stuff like that, or the way it plays off her reactions to other artists that she might encounter. Um, There's a lot of like weird stuff in this film that just makes me, it's not even that the performances are bad. It's just that like, why is this the story you want to tell with all these like weird problematic interactions with people? Um, But then when I go beyond that, I think this film, it has moments of that cute, um moment like moments of cuteness from the characters eyes widening to the world that she's going into um i like i you know we talked about the beginning like i was half joking with the way i presented my question to you but it was a serious question it was like i love the scene where she first walks in there and she's like oh holy shit like this world is amazing like that was yeah. everything that i remember the first time that Jackson's i started green
1: room has a movie so captured how chris <laughs> Schnazy feels <laughs>
0: <laughs> but it just—I—I—I really—I really liked that aspect of the story, and I think that the rest of the story is trying to throw in all these things, like it, it's trying to throw in a bunch of character moments that don't really add to one narrative that has like a beginning, middle, and an end. And more is like, oh, this type of story needs this scene and this scene and this thing, and those scenes don't really add up together in a way that makes sense, like. We follow a lot of uh, critic writers. Um, They're mostly film critic writers and not music critic writers. Um, But the one thing that is in common between all of them is all the times they reference how little you make writing a review of something. <laughs> like, yeah. you have to crank out review after review, and they have to be long reviews for you to make money at this thing, right? Like, you can't just, like, go to one concert and write an article and and then be like, cool, here's my review of this band that's all positive, and now I have enough money to buy a car for my parents or start paying the rent at the house they live in. Like, there there are aspects of this story that, like, just didn't make sense to me. Like, I'm watching a film, and I'm like, I, I get... I get how you're trying to do like a Star is Born sort of situation where somebody's blowing up and now they have everything that they want because they're becoming famous. But this is just somebody who writes reviews. And like if your name appears at the bottom of an article in a magazine, people aren't going to instantly recognize you on the street. Like this is set in '93. Like there wasn't Twitter and stuff, right? Like nobody's following you and they don't even know like your profile picture because there's no profile to have a picture on, right? So it's just like Mm -hmm. there's scenes where people are running up to her with the magazines and asking her to sign copies of it And that is the type of thing you would see in a story where somebody becomes a star But all she's doing is writing as a critic like there's I don't know it, it there there was a bunch of there's like a disconnect between the scenes this film wanted to portray and the reality of where this girl's progression might be. And like I'm I'm on all on board with her try like changing herself potentially for the worst to get into a culture and then slowly learning the lesson that her being fake just connects her to more people who are being fake and it's not really the person she wants to be, but this story doesn't it it's it's not enough about that journey. It's just about all these different scenes that would be in other films that are of this sort of genre. And and for me, that's what really took me out of the story was just like, okay, I'm watching all these pieces of the type of story, but not a good version of the story.
1: Yeah. No, I I feel that too. I do think the arc is muddled. I mean it these scenes would imply that you're getting the prodigal son arc, right? The person goes away, they Abandon their family, you know, they disown their father, they meet these people who love them, but it turns out they don't love them for good reasons, they love them for empty, shallow reasons, and then eventually they return back to their roots. But those, those scenes don't really have connective tissue justifying them there. We see her arc in a series of montages, we see her as being bubbly and lovable until like the exact moment the movie wants us to not see her that way and then almost immediately it flips again it, it 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 just feels yeah it it feels like a person watched movies like this and decided i'm going to put in all the things that make these kinds of movies and yeah glue them together and we'll call that a story and m- like maybe the story is there i know this is based on a true story though very thinly i think it, the person <laughs> wrote a book and that book is very loosely autobiographical because that person was also in the music industry. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It just feels bogged down. And I can't I can't tell how much of this is also me just not relating to the character well enough. Because um, I was thinking, you know, you were talking about the uncomfortable sexual politics of this film, and that is definitely there. There were <laughs> multiple moments, especially in this kind of excruciatingly long sequence where she is describing all of the like sex that she has had to her brother that I just, I could not wait for that scene to end fast enough because I didn't want to think about it. This person is 16, you know? Um, And it does kind of feel like a film out of its time because if you went back like 10 or 15 years and looked in male coming of age movies, they're totally fine to have the guy (laughs) sleep with the older girl. And that is kind of the symbol of him becoming an adult, right? Him coming into his own skin, Uh, almost famous, probably had it. I haven't, I haven't watched it long enough, but I'm pretty damn sure, you know, that is, that is in these kinds of coming of age movies. But in 2020, it just felt weird and uncomfortable and a little bit tone deaf And I do think there's some bravery to that. Like this is a movie that is trying to say like growing up and being a teenage girl is messy and ugly and uncomfortable. And we are just going to throw that all at you. But I when I compare this to something like American Honey that does like the rough but more like experiential way of what it means to be a girl growing up. I just feel like the tone that this tries to strike is not edgy enough to justify the subject matter but then it isn't purely cute or funny enough to justify the moments where it throws you a curveball so it just yeah it lives in a weird in-between state for me um i also think it has a kind of very simplistic view of criticism right there are two poles it's either you love everything you're just a fangirl or you hate because you're just a terrible human being who hates everything <laughs> and i get that that This is not the first movie to do that, right? Like, Ratatouille kind of has that, too. Um, So you can make a good story out of it. But, like, I feel like whoever, like, made this movie, like, wrote the screenplay, they clearly know something about the music industry and how it works. And I feel like they decided to oversimplify it when I would have had a lot more fun if they, like, threw in a little curveballs of, like, well, how does it work to interview someone and write a mediocre review, right? Like, how does... How does it feel to try to live in that world? Um so how did you feel about Alfie Allen in this movie, the the moments that he's in it?
0: So I I actually really like Alfie Allen's pr- I was gonna bring him up too. I, I really like his presence in this film and I like his character. He's still, even though he's he's fundamentally a a good person when compared to like the other men in the story that we're talking about, he still puts himself in situations where he shouldn't be in Given this girl is a 16 year old girl, but
1: I would I, judge the hell out of you if you told me you had the same evening that he had. No, <laughs> in yeah, this yeah, movie. yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Like he, he maintains boundaries, but they're the wrong, like the boundaries should have been the front gate, not the front door of the house. <laughs> yeah, um, that, that makes it sound way worse than I meant it to be, but well, I'll leave it. Um, what, but what, what's interesting though is there is a version of the story where he is the catalyst. To teach her that this is not the person she wants to be But that's not what the story is even interested in doing, but it's right there. It's right there like he's a completely different genre of music He's a better character of man male male force in her life and he 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 writes songs about really deep things that come from a a place of loneliness and and you know, uh an actual emotion as opposed to just this like raw musical feeling, right? And and I think that he he's he he is sort of like the wise sage that she encounters on her journey. Um but he's just there to to be, like, another face people recognize? Like, it, I don't know. It it, mm. it it doesn't seem like they use him appropriately in the story. Wait,
1: are you suggesting that Chris O'Dowd and Emma Thompson did not have major roles in this film? <laughs>
0: <laughs> like, collectively, 45 seconds of screen time? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think I, I liked his character, and I liked his music, too. Uh, <laughs> and I, And I think that he could have been an interesting force to disrupt... The travels that she was on. I mean, if you go back to the trailer, which we played, you know, mere moments ago, the trailer dialogue ends with her saying something to the effect of what happens when you realize that you've built yourself out of all the wrong parts, you, you rebuild yourself again. This is Mm -hmm. not that story, that, that line of dialogue, it might be in the movie, but it's not in the text of the story of this film. This yeah, film, I feel
1: like that had to be in the book and they just like glued it on at the end because yeah. it seemed like it, it finished the book. So it's going to finish the movie, even though we have not justified that at all in the film that we actually created.
0: Yeah, like this film ends at the point where she can decide to try to rebuild herself. But this is not a story about rebuilding yourself with the right parts. It's simply about the one time you built yourself with the wrong parts. <laughs> and I think that... Yeah that Alfie Allen could have been the perfect thing to, you know, he, he could have been all the King's horses and all the King's men putting Humpty Dumpty back together again. But instead he's just this guy that floats in and out of the story, like some, uh, you know, Kraken or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do think too,
1: I mean he would be the very obvious arc and it's kind of it's okay to me that they didn't quite go that route but they tried to have their cake and eat it too because they still they time things in such a way that she still gets the emotional fallout as if he had been the reason she saw the light when that is really just kind of a coincidence of timing and I think it's because they they want to do too much like they wanted to tie this into sexuality and coming of age in that sense and the prodigal daughter con like concept and th- it. W- i do think it would have been a better movie if they kept it to the music to the love of the music and yeah. do you love or do you hate or can you find one true thing that is like in between right a thing that can bridge that divide and like find a love in a thing even as you're criticizing it and i think they just don't do that. And I don't know why, because I also think Alfie Allen is probably the best addition to this movie Yeah. when he's on screen, even though like you, I do think it is weird because we are asked to love him, but objectively it is kind of creepy the things that we are watching him do while we're told to love him. And yeah, for yeah. me, it was like the, the shorthand of the movie is such that I knew how they wanted me to feel. And so I kind of just opted into it in that moment. Yeah, but a yeah. part of me was like, I do not like how quickly, how quickly he is enchanted by her. Like, this seems weird to me. Well, see,
0: see, like, and that's the thing, too, is you curve it just a little bit, and it seems okay. Like, because he is clearly a person who has been through something that made him mm-hmm. the way he is. But he still sees joy in the world. And I think when he first encounters um, her, he sees this spark in her that exists and he knows is going to burn out eventually, right? And I think that mm-hmm. I'm I'm totally on board with him taking her under his wing and trying to prevent the arc that is sure to come for her. But it, it just seems that this story turns it more into like a, well, you're kind of cute. Why don't we go off and let me show you the music tonight? Let me sing and make you love me, <laughs> right? Like it just, mm-hmm. it, it comes off as very, very strange. But, but it's like... M- Like 90% of his dialogue could have been exactly the same. You just throw a few extra words in there about, like, hey, I know this is, you know, the thing that you think you want, but this is going to dry up eventually. Or, you know, there'll yes. always be another band out there. You can't just go chase this one dream of having... Bob- like, there, there's so much stuff. And sure, it's all cliche. But the thing is, like, we've watched films. We've reviewed films recently that are pretty cliche. I mean, friggin' uh, big-time adolescence, right? Yeah. There is nothing particularly original about that story. But it's charming as hell. And we enjoyed it a lot. Yeah. And I think that this film... I mean, I, to be honest, like it I, I was just looking up things that were coming out and i watched the trailer for that and i was like that that looks cute as hell like <laughs> this seems like something that's totally up my alley um and then it's like why not watch this um but i i think this film just didn't it it's not even that it didn't stick the landing it's like it didn't know where it was landing at all it just was like i don't think oh. it even took off yeah <laughs> I, I think it <laughs> it just taxied around for a bit
1: yeah I was going to tee up another patented challenger joke for you, but I won't.
0: <laughs> but yeah, so, so I mean, did, did you fu- give your full full spiel about how you feel about Alfie Allen as well?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I like what he is doing in this role. I do think the script could have given him a few choice lines to make it be way less uncomfortable, the thing that he's being asked to do. But I like the the positivity he brings to it. He does have a kind of... He's, like, world-weary, but also youthful and kind of naive in a Peter Pan way that I think, like, works for this story. (laughs) But it would be nice if they made him a little more wizened and a little more obviously, like, choosing to shelter this person rather than just being enchanted by her.
0: Yeah. Uh, That was one of the funny things, um, too, when I was watching this film. In the scene where where she takes him to his concert, um, which apparently was scheduled halfway through the interview that he was having. (laughs) Because I feel like they go straight from... He's like, why don't we stop the interview? I'm going to show you something cool. And he takes her immediately to the place and starts performing. But I did have the funny thought in my head that, like, the first band that is playing is my band. (laughs) And this band is your band. (laughs) I was like, this is definitely the Steven Steven scene right here.
1: (laughs) Oh, yeah, for sure. Though that is... When he was walking down the stairs with her, there's this moment where they're just like giggling, walking down the stairs. And I kept thinking, imagine filming this scene like there <laughs> this man is being asked to walk with a 16 year old. I know she's not really 16. Beanie Feldstein is probably, I, I don't know, 20 by now, early 20s. Like she's been in enough movies, but I know she's not as young as she's playing here. <laughs> but, but this was made so in
0: 1993,
1: like, Stephen. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. <laughs> Oh, my God, she wasn't even born yet. <laughs> but, so he's he's basically walking hand in hand and just going like, ha, 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 ha. And I was imagining, like, if you cut the soundtrack and just, like, watch those two people have to do a take and retake of that, it just feels off. Like, it, it feels like the emotions are not exactly where they are supposed to be. But still, he was charming. Yeah, yeah. And you're right. He was definitely more my band than the opener. <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, uh, any, any last scenes or topics from this film that you'd like to talk about?
1: Mm. No,
0: not really. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have one more, I guess, piece of evidence to the confusion that this film, uh, sticks in me that I, I just need you to help clarify. There is a scene in this film after she's become, uh, what's her name? Dolly Wilde. Dolly Wilde. After she's become Dolly Wilde, um, she's at home. And a band just knocks on the front door, sets up in the living room and starts playing. And in the moment, I'm like, all right, this is a band that like wants her to write about their shit. So they just like figured out where she lived and stormed the house and then go. So they start playing a song and she just puts on her hat and leaves. (laughs) I'm like, like, were they there for for the dad or were they there for her? And do they care that she's leaving right now? And, and now it's just night all of a sudden? <laughs> and now we're in the next <laughs> scene? I mean, like, I I couldn't understand what that scene was supposed to mean.
1: I mean, it doesn't matter how they got there. Now they're under the spell of mayonnaise. And that, that's all that matters <laughs> from here on out. But no, I also thought that scene was a good example of the... And the, this kind of movie doesn't need a logic. It's just like... That is supposed to symbolize her rise to fame, right? It's like at the end of a montage of showing how rapidly she is snowballing into a a critic that people admire you know that that artists crave the attention of, and yeah, that moment when she walks out the door, it totally isn't clear who she is to them or what what she's doing anymore, yeah, so yeah. that also rubbed me the wrong way,
0: all right, good, at least Lisa wasn't alone. <laughs> Cool. All right, yeah. I have a
1: I have a quiz for you before we give our verdicts. Oh, great. I was trying to come up with a joke at the beginning of this episode, and I have a few to try out on you, and you're going to tell me which one is the best. <laughs> These are all <laughs> fake movie titles that I'm pretending I watched instead of this one. But like... Uh, how to Build Your Dragon.
0: Okay, I, I see the, nope. the connection. That one's a little loose.
1: Okay, How to Build a Girl in 10 Days.
0: Wait, what is the 10 days part?
1: <laughs> how to Lose a Guy in 10 Days. Oh, okay.
0: I didn't see that one. Okay, How
1: to Build how to build girls and influence people okay there you go uh we built a girl starring matt damon and <laughs> <Skylar Johnson>. <laughs> <laughs> okay
0: I like, that's the one i like that we built a girl for sure
1: <laughs> okay cool well we'll stick with that
0: <laughs> all right well now that we're done figuring out alternate titles for this film i think it is time to figure out Uh, our primary reviews. So, Stephen Miller, if you were going to give this a must-see, a record with a caveat, wait for until, pass with a caveat, or a must-avoid, what would you give it?
1: I'm giving this a pass with a caveat because while I did not like it, I do think it had a charm to it, and I will accept I may not be the target demographic. Like, people are charming in this movie, and it does have personality, which is not always true for movies I dislike, but... It just did not work on me at all, and that accent, I I could never let go of that fake British accent that she's doing. It <laughs> it hit me in the opening <laughs> scene, and it I never lost hope that at one point I, I truly thought maybe Dolly Wilde is going to talk like an American. Maybe maybe that's going to be Dolly Wilde's um her alter ego is going to be <laughs> Beanie Feldstein, so we can lose this wide-eyed orphan any type of speaking and just be like you know be regular people again why are there no books for me <laughs> if you want to fall in love don't do it in glassbury
0: all i will say to you Stephen, in a counterpoint to her her accent um <laughs> is that you would have nothing to complain about if she was wearing robes and had a sorting hat on
1: Oh, sure. No, not at all. <laughs> Wizards and witches, they have their own dialect. That's fine.
0: <laughs> Alright. I'm gonna give this a pass of the caveat as well. Um this this film is very, very confusing. Um I can't say that I hated it completely. <laughs> um it just was it just perplexed me all over the place. But it had moments of cuteness, and I think the trailer hits at the beats of the film that could have carry this over the line to something much higher um but i think there's too much other stuff kind of thrown into the mix um sometimes you want the good distilled stuff sometimes you just end up just with the mash so <laughs> but uh yeah that is going to bring us to the end of this review of how to build a girl steven miller if people want to find you throughout the week where can they do that
1: people can find me at twitter.com slash sdavidmiller or sdavidmiller.com
0: People can find me at Christopher in or twitter.com slash ChristopherIRL. You can find the podcast over at the the where you can get a bunch of the back episodes of the show. If you want to subscribe to the show, you can do so in Overcast, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever podcasts are found. If you want to know when the episodes go live, you can follow us at twitter.com slash spoil warning, Facebook.com slash warning or Instagram.com slash the warning. If you want to get a hold of us directly, you can send an email to fansathespoil the warning.com or you can use the contact form on our site. Music for this episode will come from the soundtrack to How to Build a Girl, so hopefully you're enjoying that. And uh, yeah, that's all we got for this week. Um, but we will be back next week, most likely. <laughs> we'll, find, we'll find something to review, and uh, we'll see you in the next one. Bye.